Okay, don't get nervous. This is like the battle between uh, inc incapacity and and machines. The machines are taking over. Ezra, you still there? Yeah, I'm uploading right now. Okay, I rotate it. I will rotate it. I will rotate it. It doesn't want to rotate. Right. I mean, oh, there it is. Oh, you were rotating it. Okay, let's get rid of this. Okay, so now in this parasha, in the parasha in Pilchot, at the end of the book of Bamidbar, it has the following, it makes the following statement. Levi. You know, they're counting all the families. So we count the family of Levi, Mishpachat HaLivni, Mishpachat HaChevron. These are, these are the children of Levi. Remember Levi? He was the son of Yaakov. And he had these sons, Mishpachat HaMachli, Mishpachat HaMushi, Mishpachat HaKorchi, Ukehat HaOlidet Amram. Kahat, one of the children, had a son whose name was Amram. B'Shem Eshet Amram, Yochevet, Bat Levi. Yochevet gets a special mention in this list of tribes, of the 12 tribes, and how many of them were there to accept their nachala, their portion in Eretz Kenan. Yochevet bat Levi, Eshel Yodautha Levi v'Mitzrayim, v'Teled la'amram et Aharon v'et Moshe v'et Miriam achotam. So that's at the cumulative list and the cumulative list of the children of Yaakov who came down to Mitzrayim and then went on their way to Eretz Kenan, Miriam is mentioned as the sister of Aaron and Moshe. And the reason that she's mentioned as the sister of Aaron and Moshe, as we see, because she was a very important person. Now, even though the Torah doesn't tell us what the nature of her importance is, but it tells us certain things about her that are very important. Now we go to the second page. Second page. Ezra, can we go to the second page? Is that the second yeah. page? Is that it? No, the next the no. next Okay, oops. Okay, I'll I'll turn it around. You uh, you how do I turn it around? One second. Thing you have to okay, do that. Okay. Uh, no, we don't want that. Let's see. Is it what else is? Can I? I, I can't uh, move it. Can you roll it up a little bit? Uh, no, the next page. Next page, page three. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Is that it? Okay, yeah. So now we're looking for Miriam. We're looking to try to understand about Miriam. So here's a, a source from the Shemot Rabban, the Medrash, that describes exactly who Miriam was. That means when Moshe Rabbeinu was born, he was endangered. He was endangered by the, the Paro 
who wanted to kill all the firstborn male children. And so uh, we built a little canoe for him and put him in the water. And his sister, his older sister, Miriam, stood and watched what was happening. And so the Medrash says, Why did she stand far away? Miriam was a prophetess. And she knew something. And she knew, I am going to have a brother. My mother is going to give son who will redeem all of Israel. When Moshe, this son of Yocheved, was born, the entire, the entire house was filled with light. You know, light? Is, is a metaphor for all the wondrous things that are coming up. Ahmad Aviha Unishaka Al Rosha, her father got up and kissed her. Amarla Biti Mitkaima Nivuatech. He said to her, he, Amram, said to her, Mitkaima Nivuatach, your prophecy has come true. That's what it says in the Pasuk. We'll see the Pasuk in a minute. He says, she took the drum. She was the sister of Aaron, but not the sister of Moshe. Ela shamra nivuazo. She prophesied. Her prophecy was about Moshe. And the prophecy came to her before Moshe was born. And therefore, the Torah correctly says, because referring to her, the prophecy that she had. And her prophecy was that Moshe was going to be born and that that would change everything. Since they threw him into the river, her mother came along and sort of like tapped her on the on her head. She looked and said, "What happened to your prophecy? Look at Moshe. Moshe, he's a tremendous danger." She knew that she could do something, that she could save her. He would, she would then know how her prophecy will turn out. So all of this pasuk, which says, she placed herself at a distance. She was at a distance from, from everybody else. Right? Uh, I'm sorry. 
כל הפסוק הזה על שם רוח הקודש. It was all done with the spirit, the Holy Spirit upon her. נאמר ותתצח. What does that mean? Right? ותתצח על שם ויבוא השם ויתייצב. And then, then it says, אחותו על שם אמור לחוכמה אחותי את, right? אחותו ותתעצב, very strong prophecy, prophetic, and then מרחוק על שם מרחוק השם נראה לי לדעת מה יעשה לו, אין שם כי אל דעות השם. So, so here is Miriam. In the story that is related to us in the Medrash Rabbah. And in the Medrash Rabbah, Miriam is the savior of Am Yisrael. She receives prior information prophecy, and that prior information, that prior information is, is going to uh, save the Jewish people. It's her job. It's her job to make sure that Moshe Rabbeinu will be able to lead the Jews and take care of them. That's her job. And she's going to do it successfully, and she's going to do it in a special, in a special way. A special way. Uh, second. You are now the host of this meeting. It says, Ezra, what's going on? Oh, you're fine. I'm fine? Yeah, you're host. But I can't, I can't get rid of this. Is there anything next to it? Cisco WebEx meetings. You are now the host of this meeting. That's what it says. Is there an OK button or are you going to X out? Well, I'm trying. It doesn't go. Nothing happens. Okay, the next the next source is right there. Vatikach Miriam Anavia, remember? Vatikach Miriam Anavia Chot Aaron. She was in the Via when Aaron, before Moshe Rabbeinu was born, Vatikach. Uh, some kind of a percussion instrument all the women went after her they had these tupim and they had mecholot etc so we see that Miriam HaNeviyah, the emphasis on being the prophecy that she had, that made it possible for Moshe Rabbeinu to actually live and become Moshe Rabbeinu. She was responsible for that. She became a leader of the women, of the Jewish women. Okay, they sang and danced uh, in, a, in a more tsanua manner than 
most of the women of that time, but that did not prevent her from being recognized as the leader of these, these women and kind of almost parallel to Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu led us, led us in uh, and where he led us and she uh, managed to uh, she managed to lead the women at the same time. So she was the prophetess who enabled Moshe Rabbeinu to become Moshe Rabbeinu, lead the Jews out of Mitzrayim. And she became not just the prophetess, but the leader of the women, right? In their public display, appreciation and joy about Kriyati uh, Yavsuf. So that's what the Pasuk says. Rashi, Rashi says, Vatikach Miriam Aneviyah, Rashi says in Echanit when did she prophesy? When she was a sister to Aaron, old, only Aaron. Before Moshe Rabbeinu was born. You see, it comes right out of the Medrash. There's also the Gemara says that, the another interpretation. And so Rashi says, I want you to note the fact that Aaron and Miriam had a special relationship. They had a special relationship when she was punished and became a became a tzarat, became a nisha tzarat. Now, if we could. Uh, I would like to go to the next page, Ezra, if that's possible. And I'd like to get rid of this. Um... What's that page four? There is no, uh, I think page three was the last. What? Maybe page two. So there's, after this, if I could get rid of this, I can't get rid of it. Oh, there it is. There it is. No, no, I didn't want that. No. I'm fighting with the computer. It says there is a, 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 it says Cisco WebEx meetings. You are now the host of this meeting. I don't want to be the host. I'm happy that you should be the host. Okay. I can't get rid of it. And it covers up. It's like a. Can you move, can you, if you put your mouse on the box can you, and left click, can you just drag it away? No. I tried that. I can't do it. Can't drag it up. I can't drag it down. I can't drag it to the left. I can't change it by right clicking. Nothing. All right. Here, let me see if I can take over. Did it go away? Yes, put away. Okay. Now I need uh, I need not this the next page. Page one. No, the three or the next page. Three, four. Okay. Okay, you. 
this one? Yeah. So we know that there is one blemish on the history of Miriam. And that one blemish is the fact that she spoke Lashon Hara about, about Moshe. Now, what, what, was, what is Lashon Hara? You have to understand that Lashon Hara is uh, when you speak badly about somebody. I mean, an example. You speak badly about somebody, but it, it, it's not going to do any good. I mean, we all know, we all know that sometimes we have to take a stand. And taking a stand sometimes means saying things that are not pleasant. And and we the we find that the heter, the 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 fact that we're able to do that or that the halacha enables us to do that, that's because it it's the only way to solve a problem. And that problem could be personal, but it could be also wider than personal. So here, Miriam did something wrong. Why did she do something wrong? Because she didn't understand who she was dealing with. The first pasuk. So let's assume that we understand this pasuk about this woman who took this his wife at Zipporah. He he didn't have any relations to her. He was always in a different world. So Miriam and Aaron, they said, that's not the halacha. The halacha is that men have obligations uh, to their wives. And Moshe Rabbeinu was not fulfilling those obligations. So they went, they went to tell him. They went to say, they, they, they made a mistake. They made a mistake because when it comes to Moshe Rabbeinu, whose knowledge of Torah was more profound than anybody else's, it's always possible that Moshe Rabbeinu knew something that they didn't know. And that somebody in the in the Moshe Rabbeinu state of being was perhaps uh, uh, freed from the kinds of obligations that most people had to undertake. So he says, Ki shakushit lakach, the second pasuk, Vayomru, Arakach b'Moshe diber Hashem, Alo gambanu diber, V'yishma Hashem. They said something that was really terrible. It really indicated that they didn't get it. And they said, after all, Miriam said, I'm also a prophetess. I saved Am Yisrael. I made sure that Moshe would be Moshe. So, so I mean, it makes sense that I could criticize. After all, I am Moshe Rabbeinu's teacher, either directly or indirectly through our mother. And you have this epitaph for Moshe Rabbeinu, Anav Ma'od. Moshe Rabbeinu is the humblest of people. And where does that humility come from? Well, where, where does humility in general come from? So I always say, humility comes from nase adam bitsalmenu kidmutenu. That's what the Pasuk says, HaKadosh consulted with the heavenly hosts and said, should we make a man? Should we do this? Nase adam bitsalmenu in our image. 
And so Rashi says on that pasuk on vitanuto hizo. That's the humility, God's humility, God's humility that He consulted. He didn't have to consult. He didn't have to speak. That that's that's called humility. So of course our question that we ask Rashi is, is what do you mean humility? I mean God is sort of like an absolute commander. He's always right. I mean, what difference does it make if he consulted with the heavenly hosts for real or for not so real? How could it be? So uh, so I think that what Rashi meant to say was that at this point in the creation also created humility. It was, who says there's such a thing as humility? I mean, you know, animals don't have humility. Animals have instincts. They do what they have to do when they have to do it. Instincts. So God created humility. And humility, therefore, it seems to be the greatest of human achievements. And the Pasuk says about Moshe Rabbeinu, Ha'ish Moshe, Ha'ish Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu was an Ish, meaning he was the, the ultimate, the best of the best, the one of, of many. Right? Ha'ish Moshe. What made him Ha'ish Moshe? Anav, Anav Ma'od. He's the most humble. No one else could do what he did. Go out to the Oel Moed, Vayered Hashem. There's an interchange, Moshe and Aaron and, 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 and Miriam. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu explains to them, you see it? Shimuna Devarai, listen to what I have to say, God says to Moshe and Aaron, to Moshe, Aaron and Miriam. Well, explain it to you. Yes, Miriam, you are a prophetess, but you have to understand that prophecy has levels. And there's the kind of prophet that gets information in a dream. Moshe Rabbeinu is not that kind of a prophet. Right, locate of the Moshe, because he is the most, the closest, the one who 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 is least likely to vary his responses to God. I speak to him mouth to mouth, as close as you could imagine. Oh, very, very, I got puzzled. You just want to talk about. Well, we don't have time. Madua, Akarish Bohu says, Madua, how come you didn't appear to speak about God? He didn't say that. That's not because they were wrong. 
Had it been anybody else, they would certainly have been right. They would have been correct. Left them in anger. Left them in anger. And then starting from Pasuk Yud, you have the result of the anger. The cloud went up away from the tent. The name Miriam Mitzorat Kishale. Miriam was considered to be the, the one at fault. And she was punished by Tzorat. We admit it, we know we did wrong. Don't punish us. And so Moshe Rabbeinu prays for Miriam. And he says, cure her. He says, which is interesting. It's interesting, I mean, why did Moshe Rabbeinu do that? I mean, it's true that Moshe Rabbeinu was charged at the burning bush with being the defender of Am Yisrael. And as the defender of Am Yisrael, there was no situation in which Moshe Rabbeinu would not, could not, did not protect B'nai Yisrael, but that was his job. But if a single person in B'nai Yisrael was punished for doing something wrong, why would Moshe Rabbeinu protect them? Why would he stand behind them? What was it that forced Moshe Rabbeinu to do what he did? Okay. So that's what, that's what, uh, uh, leave out the, just leave out the Rashi. Yeah. Uh, after the after the next page, after the next page, at the end. Uh, one second. Can you turn it around? Yeah. Let's just see Rashi. No, after the Rashi. After Rashi is another page. Uh, what is that? Uh, no, there's another, there's another page. Oh, oh, here we go. We have to turn it to the right. Thank you very much. Here, here we have in the parish in our parish of Chukat, in our parish of Chukat. B'nei Yisrael came to the desert, called Sin, B'chodesh HaRishon, Miriam is given uh, Miriam is given uh, 
the honor that she deserves. She dies, she's buried. And they didn't have any water, and they all got angry at Moshe Miriam, Rashi, Rashi, see the Rashi, the end of the narrow lines in Rashi. Why doesn't it say the mouth of God, because this is not, would not be given honor to, to heaven. Right? In the parish of Masay, when Aaron dies, it's Alpi Hashem. In, in, in other words, in this pasuk, according to Rashi, according to Rashi, Miriam is completely vindicated, rejuvenated, given back her old status at the greatest death that people can that people can experience is the death of Alpi Hashem. And finally, I would like you to uh, to look at this source in the Seder Olam Rabbah, which is a kind of a history written uh, very early. Uh, in that history, it says, parnasim tovim amdu Yisrael. B'nei Yisrael had three sources of great support. Ve'elahem, these are the three. Moshe, Aaron, Miriam. What do you mean they supported B'nai Israel? Well, here they each of them gave a certain gift to B'nai Israel, right? Man, who gave them the man? Amudanan, who is the one who was who gave them the pillar of a cloud that led them in the desert? Bishkut Aharon, the air, Bishkut Miriam, Meita Miriam. That's what just happened in the pasuk. Nitzalka Habe'er. There was no longer a well, no longer water. V'chazrala Hemli Yisrael. Bishut Moshe and Aaron. Moshe and Aaron went to Davin and they got the water back. They got they got water uh, back. When Aaron died, the pillar, the cloud uh, disappeared. But Moshe Rabbeinu was able to bring it back. Everything was gone. The man, the anan, and the be'er. Ve'lo chazru sh'neemar v'echad et shloshet haro'im b'yerach echad. They all gone. Ki b'yerach echad meitu. They all died the same month. Ve'lo b'shana achat meitu. They made it. Didn't they die in the same year? Meitam Miriam v'asara b'nisan v'aron v'echad be'av. Moshe b'shiva v'adar eliyom eliyom shemait Moshe mistalku shloshtad v'lo chazru. That's we're talking about the gifts 
the gifts that Moshe and Aaron uh, gave. So if we, if we had to summarize, I had to summarize the history, uh, the life of, uh, of uh, Miriam, I would add one more thing. I would add one more thing. Uh, yeah, if we could go back to page one. Uh, could we go back to page one? One second here, page one, Dvarim Perik Kavdalad. You see the second source on the page. It's an it's a pasuk in Kitaytzei Dvarim Perik Kavdalad. He shamer ben he shamer b'negatzarat. Beware or be careful of the affliction called tzarat. Tzarat is usually translated by leprosy. Which is not, uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, no way of of knowing what the reality was in those in those days and what Sarat really is. But it seems to be from the various sources a disease that affects the skin, like it's a very uh, oppressive kind of thing. So he shamer benegat sarat lishmor maod lasot kichol asher yeru etchem akohanim alaviyim kasher tzivitim tishvu lasot. So the Chazal understood from Miriam, from the story of Miriam, that sarat was the punishment for lashon hara. So Rashi says he shamer benegat sarat shelotit losh simanei tuma. That you know, there's certain kinds of boils or certain kinds of skin uh, afflictions which uh, uh, are not going away. They're going to still be with you. The Kohen has to come and say, "No, you have to stay. You have to be quarantined." And uh, sometimes the Kohen can say, "Well, now you're getting better. Just stay in bed in the house for another day or two. Then you can go out or or, or whatever." Right? It was the Kohen is going to tell you what you should do. That's that's Matzarat in general. Even though we know that Tzarat is the punishment for Lashon Hara, but it's not clear what the Torah is talking about. Pasuk Tet, Zachor et Asher Asal Hashem Elokecha Lemiriam, if you want to prevent yourself, that's what you learn from Miriam. You want to prevent yourself from from getting this punishment of Tzara'at, don't talk Lashon Hara. Zachor, asui lemiriam. Remember what happened to Miriam. She dibra, vachia, velak. We lost the voice.
So I'm going to call them. I just paused the uh, recording. What should I do? Okay. Well, I mean, there's no doubt that I'm losing the battle here. Okay, I think I'm back. I wanted to say that there are these psukim these that direct us to Zachor, to a Zachor, to remember things. And the Chachamim say that the way you remember things is at least once a year you say out loud. I remember, I remember what happened with Amalek. Once a year, we do it very carefully. We all kind of go and we have to think about every year where the women are obliged to go or they're not obliged to go. They do have a separate reading. They don't have a separate reading. You know, it really takes up, it takes up our interest. But we forget, we forget that they are really more than uh, uh, one. There's more than one Zachor. In fact, there are six according to one counting and ten according to another counting. Right? So that that this Zachor, this Pasuk that says that says Zachor Hashem Miriam. I mean, usually it's true that if somebody is punished for doing a, for transgression. That, that you remember it. I mean, punishment is something that is worth remembering. But this is beyond that, beyond remembering. You have to remember. You have to have a special moment. You have to have a special event for, the, for this memory. So that the Rambam, the Rambam generally says, of course, not about Amalek, but generally the Rambam says that these Zachors are not an independent mitzvah on their own. And the Ramban generally says that they are. So you can see that there's a, a kind of a lack of, uh, some lack of understanding, our understanding of the Pesach. But what does the Pesach mean if it's not a directive? What is it? And why should we remember? Why why does it say, Zechosh, Miriam? Why doesn't it say what it is exactly that we're supposed to remember? Or it could be that that's why we don't remember. Now, we also know, I mean, I don't want you to think I forgot, but in the Siddur, 
in most Sidurim today, in most Sidurim, the new Sidurim, the Sidurim that like to pack in a lot of material and stuff into the Siddur, uh, the Sidurim contained the Zohors at the end of the, the Tefillah of Shacharit. The end of Shacharit, so you could say the Zohors every day, whether it's a mitzvah, it's not a mitzvah, it's a good thing to, it's a good thing to do. So that's a, it's another fact about Miriam. Miriam is, you know, like one of the other Zohors, you should remember Har Sinai. You should remember Har Sinai. You should remember Shabbos. You should remember, uh, you should remember Yitziat Mitzrayim. Well, all of these things we do remember one way or the other. That may be the, the rationale behind the fact that Moshe, that the Rambam didn't consider them to be independent mitzvot, because they're subsumed somehow within another, within another mitzvah. Okay, it could be, it could be. So I want to just, I want to just say that in my opinion, Miriam is like a complex personality. And she was, after all, the person who, who brought Moshe Rabbeinu into the world and enabled Yitziat Mitzrayim and Kabbalat Torah. It is not for naught that Miriam was the one who provided Am Yisrael with water. And it's not at all, it's not for naught that B'nai Yisrael, the water, is what is often compared to Torah. Torah, water and Torah are the, are the same thing because the Rav, the Maral says that, you know, water fits in wherever you put it. Any container, any size container, it immediately adapts to the container and fills it up. And that's only true about water. And it apparently is also true about the Torah. That the Torah in the long history of the Jewish people, uh, even since Corbin Beit the destruction of the Second Temple, wherever the Jews were, whatever influences they had to deal with, however it was that the Jews had to identify themselves, they all, wherever they were, they all managed to learn Torah in a way that made sense in the community in which they found themselves. There were difficulties, nothing was easy. And learning Torah as an ideal was certainly not easy. But that's the Torah-water connection. Torah is like water. And Miriam was responsible for the water because she was a prophetess. And because she did what she did and knew what she knew, she made a mistake. She made a mistake. She wanted to do something that was mutar. And what do we say before? What was mutar? If you, you're going to fix something, you're going to make something better. So it's permitted to even say Lashon Hara in order to fix it. And she wanted to help a woman, Moshe Rabbeinu's wife, who was not being treated as most wives should be treated. And so she said, I also know the Torah. I also know the halacha. 
I mean, very similar to Korach, the Korach's argument. And she said, and because of that, I'm taking it upon myself to say these things and to do these things. And HaKadosh Baruch had to warn her that prophecy is distributed differently to different prophets. It's not as though prophecy is a level that you achieve together with everybody else who was or will be a prophet. But Moshe Rabbeinu, and that's what she didn't understand at the time that Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu was unique in that he had to listen or follow a higher order of law. That Moshe Rabbeinu, having spent 40 days and 40 nights in Har Sinai with HaKadosh Baruch literally, right, with HaKadosh Baruch that Moshe Rabbeinu would not be judged as everybody else would be judged, even in prophecy, as the, the Rambam says, that the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu is which I think means clarity. He had greater clarity than everybody else. Everybody else received information from HaKadosh Baruch and that was usually understood, but the deeper understanding might have been, uh, he might have been unable to, to get. So the important thing here is what you have to remember with, with Miriam is that you have to be very careful about Lashon HaRa. And Lashon HaRa, on the one hand, it's clear that you shouldn't be involved, you shouldn't do it. No, no. But for us, it's very difficult because we live in a world which is very largely based on Lashon HaRa. I mean, newspapers, magazines, movies. Lashon HaRa is the bread and butter it's the bread and butter of those things and so uh, miriam taught us that even prophets can make mistakes when it comes to lashon hara and even though she wanted to do good she was not doing good and you have to be able to make that distinction in order to say that you're speaking lashon hara to do good you have to really know what the issues are and what it is that might have driven somebody else to do the wrong thing and how difficult it will be or it won't be to get him back to the straight and narrow. So Miriam actually represents a very complex lesson that we all have to learn about Lashon Hara and that sometimes when you do want to do good, it's not what you're doing. You're doing something else. You have to look very carefully. Okay, I'm sorry about the technical problems, but uh, maybe we'll straighten it out. Um, have a, a good Shabbos to everybody. All the best. Thank you. Thank you. Good Be Shabbos. Well. Shabbos.